You're listening to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography, design, creativity, and more, with your hosts, Dave Clayton and Alan Hess. Hi, welcome back to He Shoots, He Draws podcast. Before we get into this week's episode, which is a really good one, I really enjoyed this because it's a guy that I saw on TikTok and I've started following him and watching his content and uh, I just really wanted to get him on the show and thankfully he said yes despite the eight hour no 11 hour time difference he's in Australia in Melbourne and obviously I'm in the UK but we've managed to find a time that worked and I just want to say a big thanks to James for doing it because it was definitely worth the hour and a bit that we had a conversation for and he will be back on again Um, but before we go into the episode just wanted to cover a couple of things off just to say thanks again for joining us um Luckily, unfortunately, the numbers are starting to push back up again. So I think more people are out in their cars, traveling around, getting back into listening to podcasts. So thanks to everyone that's been listening. Um, We don't know where you are. We know kind of you're around the world. But um, as always, if you want to get in touch, we're on all the social media as He Shoots, He Draws. And uh, also you can email us at podcast at he shoots, he draws dot com. couple of things coming up that are not necessarily podcast related but they kind of will be uh, because some of future guests we'll be having are going to be part of these events that are coming up so I just wanted to tell you about the first one which is Photoshop World now Photoshop World's been online the last couple of years as with everybody else um, and it's coming up on August the 30th to the 1st of September now as I record this It's actually the last day for Early Bird. Uh, It's the 5th of July today as I'm actually recording this message. Uh, Now it's quite possible they might extend that Early Bird date. So if you are listening to this on Wednesday the 6th of July, just check out photoshopworld.com and it's very possible they may have extended the Early Bird. So if they have, I'd get in quick. I can't tell you who's speaking. Um... But there's going to be some great instructors. And if you've ever been to a Photoshop world or watched the Photoshop world, you'll know the kind of content you're going to get. It's going to be Photoshop, Lightroom, business, uh, beginner, advanced, intermediate. It's going to cover everything with experts in all those fields doing all of the lessons. And obviously, Scott Kelby and the team as well. So that's one to look out for. That's the first one coming up. The second one after that, uh, which I'll be working at, is the photography show at the NEC, which we are going to be proud sponsors again. Um, So we will be doing a live episode on stage, uh, hopefully with a guest. I can't say who that guest could possibly be because they've not been announced uh, as one of the super stage speakers, but it is someone, um, someone that we know, someone that's been involved in the podcast before. Uh, it's not me, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's some great guests going to be announced on the super stage and also the live stage and the editing suite, which still haven't gone live yet. But um, I'm kind of helping put some of that together as well. And I will be doing a session there. So tickets for that are going to be available at photographyshow.com. Um, you can sign up now. I think there's some codes knocking around to get. If you follow their social media, you can get 40% off a ticket generally there's some codes around for 20% off but um, it's four great days this is my eighth year I think now working for them um, at the show and absolutely love it and I can't wait to get there and see everyone again so yeah that's September the 17th to the 20th at the NEC in Birmingham then after that there's an online event for those of you that are the graphic designers 
and interested in Adobe Illustrator, uh, creativepro.com have got an event called the Illustrator Summit and that's going to be all pure vector illustrator sessions online. It's a really good event. A lot, I watched it last year and if you if you want to learn more about Adobe Illustrator, this is one of the events to definitely watch. That the instructors are people I've learned from, I've worked with, I've I've taught with. Um, it really is going to be a couple of days of solid information. So um, again, the speakers for that will be announced very soon. They've got another event coming up, which is the design and marketing online, which I think is like 16th to 18th of July. So I think when that's gone past. I think they'll announce the details for the Illustrator Summit, but I know they've got some great speakers for that. Um, the last one is the big one. Uh, this is the one I'm really looking forward to because it's finally back in person, and that's Adobe Max, the mothership. This event I, I started going to back in 2016, and it's where I met Astute Graphics and got the job there, and obviously you you know, you know that, although I'm not there anymore. Uh, it was the you know a great four years of of learning so much about the design industry. It's where I'm at Aaron Draplin, and and through those kind of four or five years, I've made so many of friends through Adobe Max, through those connections. If you can afford it, I thoroughly recommend going. Now this year it's going to be slightly different. Um, the last two years it's been completely online and completely free. Now they're going to do that again this year. It's going to be completely free online again. But it is going to be in person. It's going to be in LA at the convention centre. From what I understand, I don't think it's going to be as big as it's been in previous years because of obviously COVID and restrictions and people kind of not still not willing to travel or still a bit unsure about travel because it's not gone away. So I think it'll probably be worth going to because the attendance will be smaller. So, you know, in previous year, I think the last year it was something like 16,000 people. So if it's maybe half of that, then I think definitely it's going to be worth going because it's going to be a smaller crowd. You're going to get a lot more hands-on um, meeting people, going around the expo and, and speaking to the um, conference people and also the exhibitors and the instructors. So at the moment, if you go to max.adobe.com, um, you can register your interest. You can't buy tickets yet. I think they're going on sale around the middle of July this month. But you can register your interest. So as soon as those tickets drop, um, then you'll get an email and then you can go on and get your ticket if you want to either register online or if you want to go in person. So you'll be able to sort that out. I'm going to be there. Um, everything's all booked. I'm going to be out there. Uh, just before that in Pasadena is the Lightbox Conference. Um, and my dear friends who I love working with Sense Labs are going to be involved in pretty much all of those events I've just spoken about. Uh, I think they are, they'll be in, in, involved in Photoshop World, uh, they'll be at a photography show. Um, I th I'm not sure about the Illustrator Summit, but they will definitely be at Adobe Max. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my good friend Ian Sayers. Ian, you're an absolute legend, mate, and I have to give you a mention on this podcast. Uh, and we will be having someone from Sense Labs on soon to talk about that. But yeah, Adobe Max, uh, absolutely love the event. Can't wait to get there. If you're going to go, please let us know. It'd be great to have a meet up there. But um, yeah, there are four events I just wanted you to know about because if you are creative and you want to learn and em embrace the industries that we're in, they are the kind of events you need to be at. So it's enough about that. It's too much admin. 
Um, we'll be back next week. I think it's going to be myself and Alan with a guest, but we're going to be talking about a particular subject, a topic. So um, enjoy this week's episode. We are also going to be doing some what we call rewind episodes. So for those of you that have joined the podcast in like the, the last few months, you probably aren't aware of the guests we've had previously. So what we're going to do is take some of those older episodes with some of the guests that we've had before and we're going to republish them with a new intro, um, just talking about the guest and kind of why we had them on and what we learned from it. And then we're going to reshare some of those older episodes to kind of fill in the every other week because we've got a schedule, we've written a plan, um, we've actually written it out to the end of the year what content we're going to be putting out. We want to get really back onto this every other week. And then the, the gap weeks will be the rewind show. So again, thank you for sticking with us. We really appreciate your support. We hope you still enjoy the podcast. Um, from myself and Alan, thank you. But without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode with my guest, the wonderful Mr. James Barnard. Hello and welcome back to a very special international edition of He Shoots, He Draws. I'm joined by someone who I discovered on TikTok. Well, I say discovered. I didn't discover him. He already existed. But I came across his content on TikTok. And as I started following him and watching his content, I just thought, what an absolute perfect guest to have on He Shoots, He Draws. Purely because of the conversations I have about TikTok and people don't understand why I'm on it. I wanted like James, our guest today, to be the person to kind of justify why I follow the kind of people that I do. So welcome, James. Thank you. It's James Barnard. But James, where are you, you firstly? I am in uh, sunny Gold Coast, Australia. I say sunny, it's the middle of winter here. So we've had a cold snap today. So it's absolutely freezing, uh, which is not something I signed up for when I moved here. I, okay, so my first question is, what's uh, a young Englishman doing in Australia? Oh, uh, yeah, I followed a girl. Um, my wife's Australian. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we met in London. Um, I'm, we left a house in London. We, we, um, we moved over here um, just under two years ago now, uh, right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, had to do two weeks of quarantine in a hotel with a two-year-old daughter. Um, which I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. It was absolutely horrendous. Um, but we're, we're at the other side now. So yeah, I'm running my, um, running my freelance business out of my small office in uh, the Gold Coast in Australia. Yeah, but as I say, my wife's Australian and uh, she just had the kind of, the pull of home. You know, she missed home. She'd been in London for, I think it was 12 years. And um, yeah, it was time. So I thought, you know what, well, I'll, I'll give it a go out here. And so far, so good. What a, what a great fella you are. Doing all that for her. <laughs> Whereabouts in London where, where are you from originally? Well, I'm actually from uh, uh, East Midlands. I'm from Lincolnshire, but I'd lived in London for a good 10 years. I think it was more than that, actually. And um, was a graphic designer for um, a number of um, publishing houses in London. So I started out my career at Hearst Magazines, Hearst Rodale, working for um, Runner's World and Men's Health Magazine. Yeah. And then I went on to to join Bauer Media um, and I was their kind of digital creative solutions designer. So I did all of their um, paid content, but it was more kind of like creative solutions content. So it was things like designing um, online competitions and display pages for brands as part of all of their magazines. So like Heat Magazine, FHM, Empire. Um, from there, I went to the Daily Telegraph where I was their um, designer for the in internal marketing team. Um, and yeah, and then after that, I 
took a role at um, The Times and The Sun as part of News Corp. Yeah. And I'm sure they won't mind me saying this. I absolutely hated it. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was a lead, I was like basically head of a, a small digital design team. And um, <clears throat> it was putting out fires constantly, uh, dealing with all sorts of problems that weren't involved with design. Um, and I just kind of, I really missed actually doing the design work. So I went freelance uh, to kind of pay the bills while I was waiting for, well, while I was trying to find another permanent role and realized, oh, this this freelance life is pretty good, isn't it? You know, you get to pick your own yeah. house, you get to choose the clients that you work with. So I worked for a few agencies in London. Um, and yeah, and then and then a couple of years back, decided to sort of niche down into the logo design side of things. So, and the rest is history. Yep, moved, yeah. moved here um, pretty soon after that and, um, you know, running my business from this small office. Nice. So when you went into publishing, um because obviously, again, that was a that was a big world that got. I mean, I know you've been you've been moved a while now, but publishing got hit hard during the pandemic. And I know from working with Future Publishing, um, like loads of publishers got bought out and sold and switched and move around. What what kind of what was it like working in that particular world? It was uh, during the period where magazines were really really struggling, and the online side of things was doing okay, but. I, you know, most of the people that I work with have come from an area in design and magazines where it was just a huge boom. You know, like the the the, the magazine world, especially the advertising side of magazine world, was absolutely flourishing. Maybe five years before I joined, and everyone in the ads teams barely had to lift a finger to make money. And all yeah. of a sudden, they were having to run twice as fast um, to stand still, and it really hit a lot of people. There were lots of redundancies. Um, I joined basically bang on that time when everyone was getting fired and yeah and because I was part of the online guys um, we were sort of um, you know actually they, we were quite valued because we could do content um, not, not only for the print side but for the digital side as well so it was actually quite a good time for me to join I think yeah I had I had an experience they won't mind me saying cause it was a while ago I nearly joined future publishing and it was right at the time where their CEO stepped down and they put a complete I was literally like the contract was drawn out for me to sign and then the CEO left the arse fell out of out of their business their shares dropped they put a freeze on hire then they they sold a ton of magazines it was like the 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 guy that was going to hire me said man you dodged a bullet because I would have literally before the ink was dry on your contract I'd have been letting you go so it was, wow. you know, I was, I was looking forward to it. But then now, because I didn't join, the amount of people I speak to that are in that creative side in the magazine industry have said, like, God, it has been like the toughest time. Because, you know, everything's going online. But from the from the print days where, you know, it was in its glory, it was it became so much harder. So I still get to work with them, yeah. but only on the event side and just like as a freelancer. But so that move to freelancer because it's a conversation i've with with a lot of younger designers if you don't mind me asking james how old are you i'm 37 right i've been designing i I changed tack i changed career when i was maybe i think i was 25 i was working as a a researcher for just an office in london and and completely started again as a junior designer in a magazine so i think i was 25 when i started again um so what it must have been uh 2022 now so I've been, I've been sort of working for more than a decade in design but yeah you know, i'd started late in in the grand scheme of things so yeah 37 that was late you i mean you started i started late because because of my age 
I didn't have computers until I was about 25 anyway. <laughs> and then and then when I did, my kind of introduction was Quark Express, the Mac, desktop publishing. That was the thing that got me into it. I'd always, I'd always had that design feeling, something I wanted to do, but there wasn't anything specifically like other than being an architect or, you know, a cut and paste designer, but there weren't that many jobs around. Mm-hmm. So I did a bunch of other stuff. As soon as computers came into my life and I realised, ah, okay, this this is something I can do. It still took me a while before I kind of got a first proper graphic design job. Once I'd got that and I worked for an agency, I learned so much more about not design from working for an agency than I did design because it's all the stuff that goes around it, like the branding and the the meetings you have to have and the stuff you have to sort out. So for you, you know, having done your kind of background, that moment of going freelance, did you did you have customers already? Did you sort of think, oh, okay, because I've tried this. I when I when I got my redundant, I thought, shall I go it alone? And the thing was, is I didn't have a strong enough uh, support network of clients that I could yeah. go. I can make a living out of this or make a salary. Yeah, it was tough. <clears throat> It was tough in the first um, the first few weeks, especially when I was just kind of panicking and thinking, oh my God, I need to fill this um, permanent role as, as fast as possible. Because at Bauer Media, they had this great system in place where there were so many publishing titles that the editorial teams from each of those titles constantly needed design resource filling. So I could stay late and freelance for those individual titles in the office and then yeah. a little bit of extra income on the side. Uh, and it would go th- just through my salary. There would just be like a little bonus for me at the end of each month. It was amazing. So when I first went freelance, some of those guys um, kept me on and I kind of just did things externally. But I went to agencies in London. I just went um, to every single agency I could um, to work on a sort of on a day rate, met loads and loads of recruiters. And as soon as I got into one agency, I think it was Havas media um, as soon as I got into one and they went oh he's all right he's, he's pretty quick he's pretty efficient it, then the recruiters kind of trusted um, they 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 put my name forward for a lot more gigs and then it, the, the ball kind of got rolling and I got a few regulars um, and then yeah and then I had um, my wife had our first child our daughter she's now three and I took a bit of um, paternity leave to kind of just you know spend some time with them fell out of sort of kilter with the whole um, going into the office thing and took on a lot more remote projects. Well, in fact, I was actually stay-at-home dad for the first year of her life. Yeah. My wife earned way more than I did. So I, was, uh, <laughs> I thought, you know, I'll do, the, I'll, do, I'll, be, I'll do the, you know, the right thing here and I'll, I'll stay home with, with the daughter. And my freelance career kind of put, um, went on a bit of a back burner. So when we decided that it was time to put her into childcare after about um, 11 months or so, um, that's when I started to rebuild the freelance career. And by that point, COVID had hit. There were no people weren't going into offices anymore. Um, I thought, okay, I need to rethink this. I don't want to be going working on a day rate forever. I don't want to be having to go into offices um, when I could potentially build a freelance career and actually deal with clients direct and, you know, quite honestly, make more money that way, cut out the middleman and actually deal with clients, you know, directly rather than working through agencies. So I watched all of Chris Doe's videos from the future. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and rather than you know just watch them and not kind of take any advice, I wrote everything down and just slowly implemented that over the course of a year into my business. So I niched down into, into branding, into logo design, redid my website, 
um, focused every part of my portfolio just on the logo side of things and then just worked like hell on all of my SEO to get landing pages together and slowly but surely the logo clients started to trickle in. Chris is frustrating. I've met Chris a few times and I was at Creative South with him and I hate him because you sit having a conversation <laughs> with him and he just starts telling you all this stuff and you're like, stop because you... You're giving me too much advice here. You're giving me too much information. <laughs> and I can't implement it right now. Because I'm in I was in a weird I'm in a weird spot where I've since I left school I've always had a day job. Um because I've got four mm-hmm. kids. So for me the the freelance is scary. But the fact that I'm surrounded by people like Chris that I've been lucky enough to meet in what I do, it's great that they give me the kind of advice that makes me go I think if I went alone I could make a pretty good start of it. It's just the maintaining it and keeping that salary constant with with the kids yeah. and everything. Um, and then when I see people doing it, like yourself, it's like I have total admiration because, you know, you've got a wife and a kid and I know a lot of designers who love what they do have gone freelance, but their other half doesn't get it. So they don't understand that weird shift of time where it's not a nine-to-five mm. job. Um, and the fact that you're working from home, yeah, I am working from home, but no, I can't go and put the washing on and do this and run that errand because I have client work and there's time zones involved. So I think uh-huh. that's that's another thing is you've got to balance not just the, the work that you're bringing in, but that home life, that being at home time, for you, time zones, I guess, as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Here, here especially when uh, the only time I can talk with the UK really it, during business hours is after the kids have gone to bed. So my day at the minute consists of uh, starting at around midday and finishing at maybe 11 o'clock at night with a gap yeah. in between to do meal times and bedtimes with the kids. Um, so yeah, it is tough. Um, but thankfully, over the course of the last six months, things have really um, taken off. And my, my work isn't just coming from the UK anymore. Because obviously moving here, I was dealing with my connections back home. And I had a lot of good SEO on my website. Like if you, I think I didn't touch it, but if you still Google logo designer London, I'm the top organic listing, which is incredible and something I worked really hard on and I kind of don't want to touch it. And I thought, because I'm, I'm working remotely and everyone's working remotely because of COVID, what does it matter if I'm not in London? You know, you might struggle to get on the phone with me a little bit, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, um, it's actually no problem at all. And especially when, you know, a client might go to bed and then wake up the next day and all their amends are done. <laughs> yeah. the time difference, they kind of like that part of it. <laughs> So um, yeah, it hasn't hasn't been a problem at all. So I've just left it. It's still there. It still says that I'm in London. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a, a funny one. But now my clients are you know global. Um, lots from the states, one or two from Australia. Not as much not as many as I'd like from Australia actually. But um, yeah, mostly from the states. Has has there been like is there a resistance because you you're an outsider coming in and everyone kind of wants to work with homegrown or is it just you're not established no, enough no. yet? It's not, it's not the um, outsider thing. It's the value they put on graphic design. I think in Australia, um, I came from London, where you know the rates for graphic design were pretty good. You know, you could get a decent day rate. Um, I can't get half of that on the Gold Coast really? in Australia. So when I first arrived here, I reached out to a few agencies just to kind of get the ball rolling as a branding person. Said, if you've got any branding clients, uh, let me know. I can help you out on a few logo jobs. And the rates I was being quoted were just woeful, like kind of insulting. And I was just like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> I've moved to a place <laughs> where no one gives a toss about graphic design here. I'm in real trouble. 
Um, so yeah, the focus was then was just sticking with the um, clients that I had in uh, London, any retainer-based work, and uh, just playing that exchange rate game because the exchange rate is very good. If you can get paid in pounds and transfer it over here, it works out very nicely. Oh, really? So, yeah. No. Oh. Well, yeah, I, it was when I joined. It's not quite the same now, but um, no. yeah, it, it was pretty good. I like getting paid in dollars. Yes, some of the jobs absolutely. that I do it's always nice when the exchange rate's like right I hate it when I'm buying dollars to go out there but I love it when I get paid in dollars when when the rate's really it's bad, bad. it's actually not great for me at the minute because um, like I left my company in the UK so I still trade out of the UK so when a client from the States pays me they pay me into my UK bank account which I get charged for then I have to transfer that money to Australia which I get charged for so by the Ooh. time the exchange rate's done all yeah. of the profit's gone everyone's out of peace <laughs> so do you fight because one of the things that come like comes up in conversation with with the value of graphic design and and uh i think it's that that thing of everybody wants it and it's such an impactful powerful part of a business i don't i never understand why there's such a low value put on it i really don't get why you know a photographer I'd, i've relayed this story before on the podcast where a photographer wanted to hire me to do a logo and a rebrand and you know like pricing and just stick it like just a ton of stuff for their business and like expected me to do the whole lot for, for like 50 quid and i said well no mm. i mean like this is my starting rate just to even you know kind of looking at what you yeah. want we're going to pay for this 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 and this and they're like yeah but it's only you know but kind of yeah but you're good at this it shouldn't take you very long all i've got is 50 quid and then like so i kind of said let's park the conversation about money let's talk about you now and what you need um so you're on about mm -hmm. a price list what do we need on the price list okay so what's your half day rate uh it's 500 pound for half a day and what's your full day rate well it would be a thousand but i do it for 900 and i got him going and i said okay let's just stop right there why is your half a day with a camera worth 500 pounds and my week's worth of work for you is worth 50 pounds where wh why yeah. are you better than why are you better than me but yet you've asked me because mm -hmm. you've seen all the work i've done that you think i'll do the best job and that frustrates me is that i don't know what it is about graphic design that that it's valued so low i don't know it's about we need to it's you know it's our job as designers to reframe that conversation right you know like yeah. this is one of the reasons that i'm on social media as much as i am is because I, my job is to educate my clients on what they're getting when they mm. come to me looking for a logo project or a branding project they you know they need to know what goes into it if they if i you know don't explain or don't show in my sort of um my content online you know what's involved and what you're getting when you when you spend the money with me then you know it's it's a much tougher sell. You know if I was just to send them a JPEG, then fine they wouldn't value it. You know if if they if they got a JPEG and an email from me just as a logo file, they'd be like, okay yeah that's worth about fifty bucks, isn't it? You know so yeah. it's about kind of us. We need to be the educators as designers to explain and, and to actually get them to revalue, um, to put value onto what we do. You know. Again, I'm going to lift from Christo again. It is not yeah, yeah, he, he's covered all of this so many times. You know, he he's, he talks about you know. Okay, so what would a new logo do for your business? Would it bring in this man, this many leads? And what's the target for this um, branding project? Now, take ten percent of that value, and let's just assign that to the logo project. Would you pay ten percent of that value of that profit line just to get you know, to be in the position that you want to be in? Because that's you know, if you if you think that a new logo can do that for you, then that's what you need to pay for it and it's just yeah. about you know just reframing that that argument 
Because you're right, yeah. It, 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 for some reason as well, in Australia, no one seems to value it. And annoyingly, inside the, um, the agency space as well, just, you know, the, the hourly rate that they're willing to pay graphic designers was, was quite shocking. I guess it's just the city versus uh, rural thing. Yeah. I love that talk Chris does about the shop where he, where he says to the guy, he does that talk where he says the guy doesn't want to pay a lot for the for the logo so he says okay well i'll just take a percent if if you want my brand in yeah. to bring what how many more people through the door and he's like well i want this many more people he goes okay well i'll take a percentage of all new business you do over and he's like yeah but that's too much he goes no but it's not is it because if the job yeah. i'm doing gives you, you the, the return me. on investment you won't get it without me so put a value on it it's like mm-hmm. i've said it is like uh not just the logo because i know a lot of kids who come out of school and want to be logo designers they think just making a logo is all they need to do which for kind of small businesses online gamers people that's all they want is great but and we'll come on to tiktok in a minute because there was a post you did recently but it's they need to know there's more more to it than just doing that and there's so many people creating content now and that you know there's been a massive boom software so much more available to people um, people start much mm-hmm. younger. It's a worldwide audience because of social media. The competition's much harder. So mm-hmm. I just think for a lot of people, if you carry on, you know, again, some of the advice Chris gives, if you, if you stick to what you do and you do it well, um, it's that thing, the cream will always rise. The good content will always come out because you'll have so, success stories to back you up rather than you just saying, hey, I'm great. You'll have other people saying he's great, which I think is a huge huge lift for for designers absolutely yeah and it's like uh, the content i put on social media is obviously self-serving because it's designed as a marketing thing for me you know it, it creates views which generates you know clicks through to my website and i get more inquiries because of it but at the same time i'm trying to educate the people who aren't familiar with what goes on um behind the scenes and that's one of the reasons why TikTok is so good because everybody loves the behind the scenes content on there especially people who are you know young designers and need software tips or um, young freelancers who don't know how to sell their services again this is um, something that's so powerful um, on on social media that you can just kind of educate and um, position yourself as the expert in the industry come on yeah I know how much you hate imposter syndrome, but uh, it's one of those things that, you know, you kind of position yourself as a as an expert, even though you don't feel like one sometimes um, and, you know, give advice and people really take it to heart. And it, and it helps when I when it comes to budget, when it, you know, budget conversations with clients, then they know full well that it's not going to be cheap because they've seen my content. And it's probably one of the reasons why they've, they've yeah. come to me in the first place. Well, that- I've, I actually wrote down TikTok and one of the subheadings was behind the scenes. So we'll talk about TikTok because that's kind of why you're here. This is how I know about yeah. you. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, so I was scrolling through TikTok. I love watching uh, designer content. It was part of kind of my research job. It, it was the app that kind of took off during the pandemic as well. It suddenly I had a massive boom. And once you got past that initial, because people were going, oh, TikTok's for kids. Well, so is Facebook. Facebook was set up for students um, and all social media gets adopted by a younger generation because they're on, you know, they're on uh, devices a lot. But I think for me, TikTok, yeah. how it's, how it's evolved. Do you want to say something? No, Go no, on. no. You're on the oh, right track. I was going right to say, cause as I was gonna say Facebook's not for kids anymore. No, no, it's for, 
moaning old political people. But um, yeah. yeah, the thing that I found as I started to get used to how to work TikTok and the algorithm was, um, you know, there's the, there's the people TikTok throws at you because of the content you watch. Now, it always makes me laugh when people say to me, all I keep seeing is content of girls dancing. It's like, that's because you keep watching content of girls dancing. <laughs> and TikTok it's knows it. telling, isn't it? Yeah. So <laughs> I started following designers. And then one day, I'm flicking through, and you come up on my For You page. And obviously, because of the algorithm and the other people I've been watching. And the reason I st- uh, stopped and watched was because you were talking about the logo lounge. You'd had this logo, you'd submitted it, it was going to appear in the book. Um, at mm-hmm. which, at, so you know, I know a lot of designers that have been in the book and they're great. And I was fortunate enough, I met Bill Gardner once, and what an absolute delight of a man he is. Um, he's great. So, yeah, I have a lot of respect for him and the people that get selected to go in there. So I was like watching this, saw your work and and you were kind of talking about it. So I followed you and then started to see more of your TikTok content. Now, I I like to think I've sort of seen you fairly early on. And I love just the way you've embraced TikTok and gone, okay, I had something happened really good here when I talked about that logo. So yeah, why, why did you go on tiktok first what was kind of your strategy behind it when you joined it was at that point it was basically a duplication of content for what i was putting on instagram so i was doing a lot of you know the usual stuff you see from graphic designers time lapse videos of me making content in illustrator um and it was all faceless so screen recorded um, material of me making up logos and how to do certain things in Illustrator, maybe showing the odd tip or trick here or there. Um, and it did okay. I was, I was actually more popular on Reddit because on the on the graphic design channels, on the logo design and graphic design threads on Reddit, when I was posting those videos, they were killing because people were learning um, software tips while they were watching. But TikTok, not so much. Like they didn't really, there wasn't much traction on that. One or two did okay. I was like, all right, it's not, not doing very well. And then I realized that it was because the type of content people expect to see on TikTok isn't explainer, it isn't like um, software explainer videos that are faceless. They like to see people behind the camera. They love stuff that's behind the scenes. They love genuine reactions and human reactions to things going on in their lives. And this, I got three logos accepted into the logo lounge. Um, <clears throat> and I found out in the morning and I was like, this is, Wow, I've got to share this somewhere. And I thought, what, you know, there's this there's this thing on TikTok where you can stitch somebody else's video. So you stitch the front half of them asking a question and then mm. you answer the question um, with a video reply. And this one lady um, had done this, um, give me an example of a niche flex that means nothing yes, that's right. to the I remember population, but, yeah. but is amazing in your industry. And I talked about it and um, I was looking after my one-year-old son at the time and he was wailing in the background. I was trying to talk in between he while well, he was... Um, yabbering on and uh, I just you know quite a genuine excited reaction to getting in this logo lounge book um, not one but three logos got accepted and then I turned my phone on the next day and the, the views on it just started rising and rising and rising and I guess because my content on TikTok was I had like maybe 50 videos on there already with all of this mm. um, software explainer video stuff when people saw me they, they followed me instantly because they thought they were going to get more of the same and then my follower count jumped from 200 to 15,000 in wow. like four days. 
And that video now is sitting at something like 3.1 uh, million views. So that's, that's and that, in, in that single day, I got 70 leads for logo design work, which was more wow. than I'd got in like the previous six months. So I was like, okay, <laughs> this is... Uh, how, how many of those 70 leads were do my logo free? Converted. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of that. There was a little bit of that for sure. Yeah. But actually, you know, some of them were pro bono, but they were good pro bono. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like one of them was um, a motor racing team from Texas. Uh, I saw that in return one, yeah. for designing their t-shirts. I got my logo on their, the side of their racing car, which is like, yeah. okay, that's, that's a deal. Um, you know, bits and pieces like that. And then, and then just actual paid work. And like I say, the, the majority of my audience is from the States. And people in Silicon Valley, the tech startups, they absolutely, they value a good logo. They value a good brand. They know what it means for their business and their new business. So as the more content I started posting about um, case studies and behind the scenes stuff and the business of being a freelancer, the more followers I started to get and the more leads it started to bring through. And now I think I can attribute something like 80% of my new leads come from TikTok. Wow. So what it's, an in it's how interesting that the amount of people are looking on TikTok or maybe not looking, yep. but, but generally using TikTok as a, oh, wow, this guy's good. And that they're, yeah. they're actually creating a business lead for it. That's right. And, and there's another sort of... Um, added bonus for clients that find me through TikTok. I've started doing case study videos of clients that have found me through TikTok. I call it TickLicks, TikTok Client Logo yeah. Case Studies, right? Any new business that comes from TikTok, if it's a good one and they let me do it, I'll do a case study video about how the, the process went. And it's completely transparent, shows all of the working, shows my artboards in Illustrator sometimes. Um, I usually, my, my smallest design package gives them two options to choose from and I show them both and I show the reasons why they picked one over another, mm. the reasons why we went down, the color choices, the fonts, that kind of stuff. That now has become a selling point for me. So when a, when a new client comes to me through TikTok and they think they're gonna get one of these videos and some of them do quite well, like the, <laughs> one of them got like 80,000 views. And so that client was like laughing and they got this free case study video. It was totally promoted. Was the that business. the IT one? Loads of TikTok for it was the the um, tailored tech, the yeah, um, the with the little the, um, um, the tech specialist cable, yeah. yeah. So I basically I, I showed a video of me and the two variations that I gave him of the reason we went down that route, and then I I introduced the client and who they are, and so the audience has a complete understanding of why we did the logo the way we did, and they, those videos they kill. Everyone loves the process part of it. They love to know what goes on behind making it. And not only is that great content, but it serves a purpose for me as well because it educates the clients about why it takes two weeks to come back yeah. to them with a logo design, why you have to pay a deposit up front for this much, um, why my waitlist is so long at the minute. Uh, and it's like, it's one of those, um, it's, 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 it's self-serving in so many ways. It's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so now how do you find that because you're becoming, uh, I hate the whole TikTok famous, but, um, now that you're becoming more popular, there's obviously the demand for more of that. How do you balance content planning, content creation, um, and and your day job? Yeah, it's really tough. It's really tough. Um, obviously, I have to keep this hype train going, right? It's, it's generating too much business for me to leave it alone. Um, and I get mixed sort of um, advice on this, but generally I try and get at least 
two if not three videos out a week and that they take a bit of work these videos the reason i think i'm doing so well is because i'm I, i've got experience in video editing i know a bit of after effects i can work with premiere pro it shows my videos are are cut together right it takes me ages to make them they're two minutes long usually and it takes me three hours to put one of those together mm. including writing a script you know it's not off the off the cuff i write a script i i have um i have to create the the visuals that go on the screen and i have to set them all up queue it all up in premiere pro I've, i'm not exactly i don't have a lot of sort of specialist video equipment i still use my phone to record video mm. and i have a lav mic it's about as as far as I've gone with it. Maybe we'll, well, I'll purchase some more <laughs> some, some more gear and, and up the quality a little bit. But I, I generally put aside two days a week. Um, I'll have a half day in each of those days to make a video on TikTok. Um, maybe one on the weekend if I have the time. Um, and at the moment, I, have a, I just have a list of ideas that come to me in the shower. Like, oh, that's a good one. Or when something happens, like a client does something funny and I need to talk about it. Like, for instance, I was doing a live stream of me um, animating a client's logo um, in After Effects and the client was on the live stream in the comments chatting away and I was um, writing, you know, I was talking to him like, what do you think of this? And he just suddenly stopped responding and it turns out the client had fallen asleep during the, the live stream. <laughs> I was like, right. And I, I messaged him, I was like, that's hilarious. Can I please make a video about that? He's like, yeah, fine. I was like, right, great. And it's the video was along the lines of, you know, the, the live stream was three hours long. He had no idea that it takes three hours to make a five second logo animation. Yeah. And that's the beauty of, you know, this, this, that content. When you think of content ideas like that with a funny story behind it, I mean, that's, that's, that's gold dust. Well, I like the 3D uh, extrusion stuff, the one project you did, because that was another one where the effort you put in to understand the guy's business to know that the logo would work and then actually would it work so can you, can you talk a little bit about that one yeah that was um uh, his name's clayton but he goes online um, by uncle jesse and he's a 3d print specialist he has a quarter of a million tiktok followers again he found me through tiktok asked me to do a logo this was months back and he's, he's been waiting a while for it and he wanted a logo that would represent him and his the con the sort of pop culture prop making 3d um, printing content that he makes online he's got a big youtube channel he's got a big tiktok following he's got a pretty decent sized instagram following and he's basically looking to to brand himself better and i went I, you know i became a 3d print expert for two weeks while i was making his logo <laughs> just coming up with concepts around the mechanics of 3d printing um and he's a big champion of, sort of resin resin 3d printing where you pull a design from a vat of um mm. liquid and I've created this um, extruded UJ logo where it was a J, but this, the, the missing part of the U in the sort of J shape was created with support structures that you would need to put in if you, you know, printed this in um, as a 3D plastic model. But I'm not, you know, an expert in 3D printing, so I went to Reddit to check that the concept held up. You know, if I put support structures and here... And they'll tell you for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, so helpful, straight away. In fact, they got so far into it, they were like, you need good adhesion on your build plate. You know, they got way too much specifics. And it was quite clear, it's a theoretical concept for a logo uh, for a client. And I, I, I kind of masked the actual design in a diagram that I just knocked up in Illustrator because I didn't want... Um, Uncle Jesse to see it because you know he's prolific mm. in these spaces, and um, lo and behold, he, he turns he up did. in the comments he's like, "Hello!" <laughs> <laughs> he totally spotted it, uh, and there he was. Yeah, so um, 
and again, that was a great story as well and that got it that got into the um you know the, the tick clicks video at the end of it the yeah study video. And, that, and aren't you getting um, one made to test that it actually works yeah absolutely so when we talked about um creating a logo for a 3d print artist we thought we've got to create a logo that can be printed uh in 3d so it's an extruded uh uj shape um that will need some work to be printed in 3d but i'm sure i'm sure he'll get it to work someone can do it's it yeah because that's yeah. the thing I love about with the behind the scenes stuff is I'm the reason I only buy Blu-rays is not really for the film. It's because the making of, I really love that whole behind the scenes explanation, the process, the delivery. I think that's the thing a lot of designers miss that is that getting to know the client, understanding what they do, who they are, their personality, what they need, even the research down to, like you were saying, he's a big fan of, um, was it Magneto? Yeah. That's yeah, right. from X. Yeah. Just that level of detail to understand the client. I think so many people miss that part and just think, oh, yeah, I've got their initials or I've got this. I'm going to create this logo that looks like something I've seen. And and mm. there's no personality. There's no investment from you in, into the customer. That's it. That's it. I think one of the reasons why um, the content's been as successful as it is because usually in my logo products, there's an element of an Easter egg in there. And I don't, I don't, it, it's a bit corny to do it all the time, but when you can get a level of meaning into a design um, that's not always apparent straight off the bat, but usually it is. And when a client, you know, gets to explain that to a new customer, um, it just makes their day. You know, it's one of those things where there's, if there's a hidden meaning inside, we all love the FedEx logo because there's a hidden yeah. arrow in there. We all love Toblerone because the bear is hiding inside the mountain. You yeah. know, that kind of um, uh, detail in a, in a logo design really goes a long way with the client. And doing these videos on TikTok is allowing me to sort of showcase that because you know we're in a world now where we don't get to meet our clients anymore so everything's done remotely no. because of the pandemic and, and now because because in my case because it's, it's global i just actually i rarely chat to them so having that video content there just allows me to sort of showcase my services just that little bit better and it helps sell it in how do you work with because obviously you you know you get a lot of inquiries having that waiting list is always scary for a lot of people because everyone wants to say yes and nobody wants to say no you've obviously got clients that are prepared to be like in a holding pattern as as they come in are you finding yeah. that they're staying in the holding pattern as well largely yes i am at a bit of a uh, crossroads right now though and i'm sure you've um you've, you've chatted with freelancers who've got to this point as well where the, the the waiting list is getting so long that i'm starting to lose work and i'm not prepared to to speed things up to sacrifice on the quality of the work so I'm either at a position where I um, continue to, you know, keep the control that I have over my jobs, um, but I'm going to sacrifice work in the long term because I'm just not going to have, I'm not going to be able to fulfill it all in a timely manner for my clients. Excuse me. Or I will have to hire somebody. And it could be that I hire another designer or it could be I hire something like a virtual assistant just to help me get through the admin. Mm. Because at the moment, I'm coming to my desk and there's 20 emails um, from logo leads. Like if a video's done well, it usually that, that night will generate quite a few leads. 70, 80% of those will be rubbish. Yeah. But there's a good there's there's stuff in there that I really need to massage to to get out. And when I sell I send that first email and it says I'm sorry I can't start until August, three months down the line, um, it's an immediate no for a lot of people. 
so yeah, I am at a point where um, I'm starting to get advice from other freelancers on the direction to take. And again, Chris Doe's got a video about this, hasn't he? Of course, yeah. you know, <laughs> the, the business of, you know, that it's not, you know, answering emails and generating invoices is not a good use of my time. Um, so I, need, I definitely need to, to explore this more. But it's, it's happened so fast. That, that 3 million odd viral video was in January and we're in July now. Um, I'm just coming to terms with actually being a successful logo designer for a change. Uh, so we're at a point where, you know, do I expand or do I keep the lifestyle that I have now and um, just kind of try and keep this, this train going um, on yeah. social media? Because I wouldn't even say you're a victim of your own success because I don't see you as a victim. I think it's just kind of a a very fast success story that, like you say, it's great to be popular. Had you not been on TikTok, you wouldn't have this issue or social media in general. But TikTok's obviously helped blow it, blow it up. That, like mm-hmm. you say, that crossroads point is you've still got to carry two days a week creating the content that brings in the work. But you've That's kind right. of got... Th- three days a week work instead of five days a week. So I guess that, that it's worse. that balance. It's worse than that because, sorry to cut you off, it, it's worse yeah, than no, that because uh, I have two children uh, yeah. and um, childcare here is crazy expensive and we get zero relief um, you know, from, from the government in terms of subsidy for childcare. So it's, it's incredibly expensive to maintain. At the moment, my day most days looks like uh, in in the morning I'll be with the kids and my gym has a crash and I'll take one of the children to the crash and my wife will take um, mm. the other one to the other crash and and then in the afternoon we'll, we'll have sort of lunch together and we have a childminder that comes around so from twelve till five the childminder will watch the children downstairs while I'm upstairs working which is isn't easy because there you can hear them screaming downstairs mm. and misbehaving and I have to get up from my desk constantly to to sort that out. Um, and then, as I said before, once the kids have gone down, I'm back to the office again. So, and then if, if we have a night where the one-year-old is um, up in the up at night screaming and wanting a feed, it is it's quite full on, and he wakes up at five a.m. So, <laughs> my day is just um, absolutely mental. It's crazy. This is yep. kind of why I wanted you to answer these questions because the thing I hate hearing most from other designers are when they go, "Oh, it's all right for him. You know, he's doing all right for himself." And that, <laughs> no, is they yes on the on the outside, you know, looking in, you see the success stories, but you don't hear the stories about you know my two kids downstairs screaming or I've got to do this, I've got to be there. Your day's fragmented. There's there's nothing. I, I was. I wrote a book and it took me a year to write the book where my friend who write also does tutorial books takes him like two months he focuses he goes right I'm gonna spend two months writing I had a day job I've got two young daughters uh, and and two older sons they all live at home I'm at home at the time Uh, we have moved so I was in in my office here but you can't just go and say oh do you know what I've got a spare 20 minutes I'll just go and do some work you by the time you set everything up your 20 minutes is up you don't so it, it. i i had to kind of plan like can i have a weekend and say to my wife look can you take the girls out i need to spend a whole day doing this because i have to make i have to make the artwork for the tutorial yeah. for the chapter in the book i'm not just sitting writing i'm having to create it and, and write and save it and do all the color corrections and everything 
it's and it. people don't see it all they see is like a book or a, a final logo part, or something yeah. and they go probably only took him five minutes that's and it. it's it's frustrating I know, you, I know, and it goes the same goes for for generating TikTok content. I know I keep coming back to this, but the actual business of creating those videos is it's longer than you think. And then once they're made, there's even more to do. Like if you want it to do well, you've got to come up with a good hook. You've got to subtitle your video, which means going on the app and typing out and making corrections to the auto-generated subtitles mm. before you upload it, choosing the right audio, um, the music, sorry, to go with it. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a huge amount of work. But I will say that the content creation side of things is a lot of fun, especially when it does well and you get to watch those stats come in and the, yeah. the comments come in and they're all positive. TikTok's a nice place. You know, I've been online a lot. I've done a lot of work on Reddit and it, Reddit can be brutal. I've had my oh, yeah. own company logo <laughs> torn to shreds on Reddit. Um, they're mean, they're mean guys. So like, you know, they, 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 they don't suffer fools there. Um, they're really critical. TikTok, because the audience is a lot more global and they're not necessarily in your niche. They go, that's amazing. And they just like <laughs> all the comments and the love starts pouring in. You say, oh, I'm a great designer. You feel really good for like, you know, the next few hours until it all dies down and you're back to, back to work again. That, but yeah, it's a lot thing. of fun. It's a lot of fun. Creating the videos and coming up with ideas for content and seeing them do well, that, that's its own reward. It's, it's awesome. And when it has the added bonus of making me money, by generating leads for my business. It's just a complete win-win. So yeah, maybe I'll end up being a complete, sorry, go on, yep. Uh, no, so, so I was gonna say that you talked about feedback and like starting on Reddit, which is probably like be becoming the gladiator first, like going out in the <laughs> ring with just that sword and eight lines coming, you're defending That's yourself, it. but you kind of built a backbone. Yeah, so yeah. how, obviously, that the odds will say, the statistics will say that for all your TikTok videos, as great as they are, and how much like I, how much I enjoy watching you, the the, the shitty people. I mean, what mm. kind of feedback do you get? That's the negative stuff. Because I I always love to see how people can just troll for the sake of trolling. But what do they find? wrong with you is it the accent i don't like his beard his, his logos <laughs> it's nothing that personal but thanks dave appreciate it uh no it's it's um it's basically people who don't see the value in it and i'll talk about how much i charge for a logo and i don't actually reveal my prices but when they find mm. out it's more than 100 bucks they're like what how do people get paid for this little effort and sometimes i'll post you know work and people go ah oh, it's rubbish or you know not great to be honest but one of the beautiful things about TikTok is that when someone posts a comment like that, you can uh, pin it to the top of your comments and so everyone sees it. And so they can they get trashed by everybody else <laughs> in the comments. Uh, yeah, sit back another and thing be you like... Can do, exactly, yeah. And another thing you can do is um, make a reply to that comment with your own video. It's something I'm actually doing um, this week to someone that wrote on one of my posts. Um, so to one of my logo case studies, they're like, that's oh, not great to be honest, is it? And <laughs> I was just like, okay, I'm gonna make a video about how to give feedback to a designer. Uh, you know, provide rationale. Don't just throw out comments like that because they're, they're not actionable comments and we can't do anything with that. And there's a piece of content for me. So it's another video that I can make. Um, so it's, yeah. it's a, people are a lot more accountable for what they say on TikTok, I feel, um, because you know, there's a seat you can get called out quite quickly. Oh yeah, yeah, there's always the ones who, yeah, just uh, it's not very good. They won't say why, 
they don't say what what mm-hmm. their like what's their background for them to make that kind of critique and also it's when you get no that just looks like this that looks yeah. too much no, that, that looks like that someone else i do worry about that's what i do worry about and sometimes that's quite a good like a plagiarism check right if you if you put mm. a logo online especially reddit they'll be the first to tell you if it looks like an, of somebody else's work you go oh dear i missed that and then again that's another piece of content for me talking about how to plagiarism check your work and how to you know reverse image search your content and check the wipo database for logos that are of a similar and similar in nature to yours so it's all it all comes back to great content you know as soon as something like that happens i'm like well that's great that's behind the scenes video i can make about that isn't it and then yeah. you know another video that goes viral on tiktok it's fantastic and the more successful it's basically you become. My, my life is online that's it yeah. <laughs> i don't know if have you ever seen any of von glitchka's work do you know von no. glitchka check check von out he's a really good um really good designer and he one of the big things that comes up with him, as I'm sure you are finding now, the more successful you become, is online theft. It's like now your work is really popular, it's out there, it starts getting stolen a lot more and he's like bang yeah. on top of it. He did a whole class on um LinkedIn learning about it, talking about how to really? find the work, how to approach it, the kind of letter you send, the amount of time you give. Um, and he says sometimes it's just you know a big agency like sports teams have stolen his logos but it wasn't the sports team it was just some they went cheap and hired some kid to design it and he went on google saw this lovely lion's head stole it and all of a sudden it's now on the sports team and he talks about how to deal with that and like don't go on social media first and say you're a bunch of assholes you've stolen my work he says there's a process to it are you finding your work getting lifted now because of it the has, success yes. you've had it's not something that has happened um overly you know it's not not a huge problem for me but it definitely has happened and i've actually made um of course i've made a piece of content about it when it yeah. happened um so a, a kid from indonesia took um two of my logos and sort of cleverly redid them for a piece of portfolio work and it, it wasn't for a client so it wasn't um he didn't make any money off of it but he was using it to sell the services online and i approached him and said i did, i found it by complete chance on instagram it wasn't something that i'd reversed image search he followed me on instagram and i saw his profile and it looked like an agency i thought i'll check them out and like in the top six posts on his instagram channel two of my designs were in worked into two of his designs and i, I reached out to him I, I called him out and i said look you need to take this stuff down there's a direct match to this. And he just completely owned up to it. It was like, yep. And he took it down immediately. And it was like, I was just so inspired by your work. And I was like, okay, th- that's that's hugely complimentary, but there's being inspired and there's ripping off. Um, obviously made a video about that on TikTok. And it's one yeah. of the most popular videos I've made because A, I, I treated him with respect. I didn't you know, call him out on social media. I, yeah. I messaged him personally. I didn't call them out when I made the video I didn't post this handle or anything silly like that I just talked about what happened I didn't you know refer to him directly in any way I just told the story um, and people loved it and and also do stuff about um, you know not hiring people from Fiverr um, you know it, it's something that that's another one of the reasons that our, our business is being devalued because of those race to zero websites and people are only able to do logos for ten dollars because they're working from templates and then lifting other people's work and there's huge amounts of examples of plagiarism all over fiverr 
Um, so yeah, that kind of that kind of content it, it creates a bit of a buzz as well because a lot of people don't agree with that. You know, they, they figure that you know logo design has a value and it's not more than two hundred and fifty dollars, mm-hmm. um, and it's our job to to argue them down. Yeah, do you do you actually make money from TikTok? If you don't mind answering the question, have you? I don't put yourself in a I don't. position where you can yet. So once you reach a certain level, um, you get invited to um, by. To, invited by brands to be part of sort of brand sponsorships and you go on to create a marketplace on TikTok. I've, I've got access to that now. I've had one or two brands reach out, but nothing that um, really speaks to me yet. So um, I'm sure there'll be something down the line, <coughs> Adobe, <coughs> uh, <laughs> but we'll see. Um, you know, I haven't actually made any money from the actual content that I've made, but it, it's close. It's getting there. Because the other thing I've got written down here is um, obviously you're now at a point where you're very comfortable on camera. Your work speaks for itself. Your content's very engaging, a pleasure to watch. I, I'm, I, I actually get a bit of a kick when I see that you've created something new. It's kind of like, oh, he's done Stop. something new, and you no, sit Stop and it. sit and watch it. And, um, <laughs> and I know I've dropped in a couple of times. Like, dude, I seriously need to show you some astute graphic stuff because it is a game changer. Um, but that's for another so, conversation. Yeah. That's just to help you out. <laughs> always um, plugging. You're always plugging. Uh, uh, with the, that was that was the thing was I worked there for four years and I kind of used a couple before I worked for them. I met them at Adobe Max, and once I started kind of seeing behind the scenes what it was for, it it was like really surprising how few people kind of know how they can enhance Illustrator, not just gimmicky, but actually from a production mm. point of view, that it is yeah. really handy. But um, yeah, so I like going through the content. And then now there's, there's there's this point where, you know, I've been lucky enough to teach, I've been lucky enough to do stuff with Adobe, that you're kind of now in a prime position. If somebody said to me, Dave, can you recommend a speaker for XYZ event? I'd be saying, yeah, there's this guy on TikTok who makes great content. Um, he does like how-to, he explains the process. Do you think that's a that's a path now you'd seriously kind of consider that maybe you're you have got that authority that you can be a speaker you can be doing sessions at those kind of events I think so I think so and that's also something that I kind of want to kind of force myself to do as well to actually do those public speaking engagements because at the moment my content is heavily edited it's cut together to look like a lovely articulate um, piece of prose but in reality, from this podcast, I'm sure you're seeing it's a lot more um, <laughs> junky. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's something that I'd absolutely be interested in doing. Um, I've got so many great stories to tell about design as well. There's so many things that have happened to me as a designer that there's so much I could probably do ten, you know, on just different things yeah. that I've done over the years and different little projects that I've taken on that have gone viral and. Oh, the, the, so I used to just write articles about this stuff when anything was cool. Like for instance, I made a font in a day and got, mm. got it published to Google Fonts as an open source project. And that whole thing was an article that went on um, the Free Code Camp website on Medium and that did really well. Um, and it, it, previously that was all articles on my website which was designed as SEO to, to generate leads. And now what's happening, I'm slowly taking those articles and creating bite-sized versions of them as video content and then posting that to social and that's doing well as well. But you're right, like like you say, you, in order to be to be perceived as an expert in your niche and to be able to charge what I do, you have to do things like that. You have to put yourself out there and you have to get more comfortable on camera. 
And you know, you need to be a bit of a salesperson, especially if you're a freelancer. You know, you need to be able to sell your own wares. Um, otherwise, you're gonna, you know, you, it's gonna be a struggle to kind of convince clients to to spend that extra buck with you. That's the thing. You are you're not just a designer. You're a marketing department. You're a video mm -hmm. department. You're 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 making your own commercials about yourself now. That's kind of what social media has become: is short exactly. adverts, and it's a lot exactly. of work. And and like you say, people, it's a good job like you've got video that. editing. Go, no, go on. Sorry, there's a, obviously the the, the uh, UK to Australia. There's a bit of a delay. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the it's it, it is self-serving. All of this content, it's great fun to make, and it's 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 largely helpful to a lot of people. But in the end, I'm doing it because I want those views, and I want people to come to my website, and I want them to, you know, to to get a logo from me. So it does help, and I'm I'm glad to do it. And if it does help another designer, then that's fantastic. But at the same time. It's, it, I'm not going to lie, it's, it's, a, it's completely, it's a marketing funnel for me. And, it's, and that's why it's so fun to do, because you're, yeah, you are helping people, but at the same time, it's part of the job. You know, you, your own, yeah. you're right, you're your own marketing department. And there's a freelancer um, pro on TikTok called Jamie Brindle. He is amazing. He does freelancer advice. And he's, he's always like 50% of your day is for your current clients and 50% of your day is for future business. And that's yeah. the way you got to look at it. It's dividing your time exactly in half between the marketing and sales lead side of your business to actually working on your, your, your client stuff. Yeah, that's the thing I see a lot where because I became a designer in a marketing role for over three jobs, it was so much more beneficial for me because I learned more about statistics, sales, patterns. I did email marketing, working on CRMs and just seeing all that behind behind the scenes stuff that a lot a lot of designers do that kind of thing where hey i've got a logo job i'll make the logo here you go there's the logo i got paid what's over here now and they don't realize yeah. that they can future proof that job by looking at what's coming up are there exhibitions have they got promotions are there new products are there things further down the line that now you're the name in their brain you, if it. the next time the conversation comes up they want to be thinking okay james did that really awesome job for us let's go back to him first and i see so many people miss that trick because there's other content yeah. to follow that's it it's also about not burning bridges especially like if a client comes to you and you're not a right fit um you make sure that you know you give the right advice and you offer up um yourself as a, a sounding board for any you know future projects so if they don't go down you i'll always say to a client um if it doesn't work out with us and you go down another route with a designer please just if you need any feedback or you need any ideas bounce them off me i'll be happy to help and then the next time it comes around and they have got a budget who are they going to go to the guy that helped them out that yeah. time so it's um it's really important you got that video about the guy that you thought the client ghosted you and it turned mm. out that you massively like flipped that right round into a yeah. like you didn't cut, you didn't burn the bridge, you didn't get all pissy and and shitty with them, and it turned out there was a genuine yeah. reason for it. They were going so through something in their personal yeah. life that I was not privy to, and I was I was they hadn't paid their invoice, they missed the deadline twice on their invoice, and I was at the point where they they just weren't emailing me back, and it's you know it's a, it was a hefty deposit that they had paid, and I was about to you know, rage click and send them an email like you completely screwed me and I was like, Do you know what? Let's just kill them with kindness here and we'll just check if they're okay, you know. Um 
is everything all right? I'm a bit concerned, especially in the world where people are getting COVID. Uh, you know, mm. is everything all right? And and they replied, and they're like, yeah, I'm just going, I'm just not in the right space um, mentally to do this. Something has happened. And I was like, okay, all right, well, and they came back to me and they're like, can we push this to September, which is three months down the line? I was like, no problem, no problem at all. And we worked it out. And it was just that instance where I just decided at the last second to rewrite it and be nice and it all worked out. It was just a great thing to, to share. Yeah, it's great because kind of the answers to all the questions I've asked you, I know a lot of them are on your TikTok feed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I know. Um, I will stick to an hour. I could talk to you for another hour about design, but I know it's late we'll where you one. are. We'll and, do another one. Uh, yeah, definitely do another one. If you're if you're up for it, I definitely want to do another uh, podcast Thanks for having you. me. Well, we talk more about design, but like, thank you, mate. Um, just tell everyone where they can find you. I'll put links in the show notes anyway, but obviously what's your handles on TikTok, Instagram and all of that? Sure. My name's James Barnard. So my handle is Barnard Co. My company's called Barnard Co. Limited. So that's why I picked that. So any social profile you want to find me on, Barnard Co. is uh, where you'll find me. Same with the website, barnard.co. Yeah, and I highly recommend follow james if you want to see even if you're thinking of creating your own content go and follow james and watch how it's done um because the (laughs) just the sheer variety of content i think is what i love about about your feed is it makes me want to go back and look at older videos again um i just always finding something that that you've done before oh my screen's just gone blank there we go um I just like finding those little nuggets of like a behind the scenes or and I've learned stuff from you I've seen things like little projects you've worked on you've recommended designers I didn't really um I don't know if you can you can probably see that those books behind mm-hmm. there I've got about 10 more of that to my left I'm just I love graphic design books um so like if you share books or something i i I'd only really mm-hmm. discovered made by james in the past year james martin yeah yeah didn't really know much you should about get james. him on the podcast he's he's yeah. great to chat to about those we've never met um but i um i see his logos in australia he is prolific um he's one yeah. of my heroes he's me in three years time uh which is my age. <laughs> bigger beard <laughs> that's it bigger beard uh, more digital products, uh, selling those, you know, generating passive income, and a much more respected logo designer than I am. But um, nah, yeah, definitely get him on the podcast if you can. He's fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad I've got in early. I've got I've got you while you're, while you're at the start the start of the. Yeah, curve, I'll, I'll charge you it? next time. Yeah, I know you'll be well. You know, th- I can be on in three months. I've not dared That's ask it. Chris yet because. Um, when I was with Chris, we were talking about podcasts, and and like obviously he's hugely in demand, and mm-hmm. but he he was also telling me like a couple of guests. I won't name them, but uh, there were a couple of guests like he just can't get, and I'm thinking, but you're Chris Doe, you know, I, yeah. so many people would love to be, should be on your podcast, but he said no, there's one or two that he's really struggled to get, and he's not giving up wow. yet, but he still wants. So wow. I would like Chris on, and um, the lady I I spoke with. Uh, creative south is a really good friend and i was lucky enough to have a taxi cab ride back from um from creative south back to atlanta airport uh with chris and so he's just really? a lovely guy to speak to but yeah it's just the knowledge i i hate asking him about stuff but i just want to we end up talking about kids and and just you know <laughs> life but non-graphic design yeah but you can't just help like he throws something up he recommended like four podcasts for me to listen to and such a nice man really nice man yeah um and, and doing a lot for our well. industry as well 
Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And do, doing so much for our industry. The, the, the free advice and the free content that he gives away uh, is just astounding. I, I, honestly, I, I can tell you with no, um, no word of a lie that I, I basically modeled my freelance business off of the advice that he gave on his YouTube platform. So if you haven't seen the stuff by the future, uh, go and check it out. It's, it's, it's a free resource. If you're a designer and you haven't seen it, then you're really missing out. Yeah, and and if you've only seen the free stuff, just imagine what the paid stuff's like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. But anyway, thank you very much, James. It's been an absolute pleasure to no meet problem. you and, and have a chat. And we'd say we'll definitely get you back on. But uh, for you now, too. have a good evening and I'll catch you Thanks, soon. Thanks, mate. I'll see you on TikTok. Cheers. Take care, mate.